0: Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Horatio Gate Spafford, he was a lawyer and he had five children and he had a flourishing business. His wife's name was Anna and they were committed Christians. And they would regularly open their home to traveling evangelists and pastors, including the famous Dwight L. Moody, who came over their house. Remember, they had five children, but sadly, their four-year-old son, Horatio Jr., contracted scarlet fever and died. And then one year later, in October 1871, a massive fire swept through downtown Chicago and devastated the city and devastated his business and his property. Despite their own substantial financial loss, the Spaffords sought to demonstrate the love of Christ by assisting those who were grief-stricken and in great need. Two years later, in 1873, Spafford decided to take his family on a long-awaited vacation to England, but he couldn't go because of business, so he sent his family ahead. And on November 22, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, the ship on which his family sail was struck by another ship, 226 people lost their lives, including his daughters Anna, 11, Margaret, 9, Elizabeth, 5, and Tanette 2. His wife, Anna, survived and was found unconscious, floating on a plank of wood. Once on land, she sent a telegram to her husband, Horatio, with the words, Saved Alone. Receiving Anna's message, Horatio set off at once to be reunited with his wife. And one particular day during the voyage, the captain summoned him to the bridge of the vessel and he was pointing at his chart and he explained, this is the very spot where your family had perished. It said at that moment, Horatio Spafford returned to his cabin and penned these words. When peace Like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows flow Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say It is well, it is well With my soul it is well. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. Wow. Following this deep tragedy, Anna gave birth to three more children, but she and Horatio were not spared even more sadness. February 11th, 1880, their only son, Horatio, named after the brother who died, died at the age of four. And one of the ministers who was traveling with Anna remembered her saying these words, God gave me four daughters. Now they've been taken from me, but someday I'll understand why. Why do bad things happen to good people? What do you do when your life falls apart? Job lost everything, but he was able to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Today, part two of the sermon, Finding Hope in Suffering, What Can We Learn from the Pandemic? Last week, I gave an overview of God's providence with regards to giving permission to allow Satan to do certain things. This is called theodicy. Theos means God. Doxa means glory or righteousness. So it's a defense of God's righteousness, even regarding evil. I told you last week that a lot of times when I speak to people who are atheists, who claim to be atheists, when I ask questions, they're always underneath that is some type of pain that they blame God about. But if God is ultimately in control, then why do these things happen? God, if he is in control, which he is, then he must sovereignly allow pain and suffering for a purpose. If you don't know God as good, then you won't understand why this is happening. And even in that, we don't understand. I mean, why did the pandemic happen? Viruses are a byproduct of a corrupt, fallen world. Satan will use these things to instill fear in the people. But we do not fear. We trust. We do not worry. We worship. Doesn't it feel better to worship, even with a mask on? I'm very sensitive to the fact that trying to sing through a mask is not joyous. But the point is that when we take our mind off of our problems and put them on God, God gets bigger, our problems get smaller. That's what worship does. That's what Job did, even in the midst of the terrible loss and suffering. So let's continue through chapter one with Job's story. Satan is allowed to attack Job's business and family. He's allowed to do it. In the beginning of chapter one, there's a heavenly board meeting and God is the CEO seated on the throne, but there are angels and along comes Satan to attend the meeting. And God asked Satan, hey, where are you coming from? You have to understand that Satan was Lucifer, a glorious angel, a created being in heaven who chose to rebel against God. Therefore, he was kicked out of heaven and a third of the angels fell with him. Remember, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So at some point he fell from heaven, came to earth and has been trying to cause trouble ever since. But God still allows him there. So that's an amazing thing. And they have a conversation. Satan, where are you coming from? Satan says, oh, just traveling to and fro the earth, looking to cause trouble. That's my paraphrase, but that's basically what he does. And God says, have you noticed my righteous, blameless servant, Job? What I want you to do is I want you to tie yourself to Job in the sense that he's an Old Testament person, but he is referred to by God as righteous and blameless. We are New Testament people. And God refers to those who are in Christ as righteous and blameless people. So we are attached to Job. And when we go through the book, the end of the story is awesome. It's like a second life that Job gets. Well, guess what? We got a second life. Whether it be here where we are blessed and rewarded for what we've lost or there, it's a second life. That's how we can relate. And so Satan goes, yeah, I noticed him. But you know what, God? The only reason he honors and respects you is because of how you blessed him. If you take your hand off of him and your hand of protection, because it basically says he had a hedge of protection, pray for a hedge of protection. I always pray, Lord, please put a hedge of protection around my family, around whatever. Now it's still up to the Lord what he does, but that's a good place to be in that humility. So God had put a hedge of protection and Satan goes, take that away. And that blessing, take all that blessing away, and hey, God is going to curse you to your face. Now remember, Satan, which is actually pronounced Satan, Hebrew, and it always is accompanied with the article the, the Satan. Satan means accuser. He is the accuser. He accuses us. That's what he does all day, all night long. He's standing trying to accuse you of all your sin and accuse you for all your mess-ups. And Jesus is standing there going, he's mine, she's mine, he's mine, she's mine. He can accuse you all he wants, but you belong to Jesus. And by the way, that's the hedge, right? So God gives Satan permission and Job doesn't see this part. We see it because we have God's word. Job did not have this. Job's wondering what the heck's going on. Wakes up one morning. And everything falls apart. Let's turn to that passage, Job chapter 1, verse 12. So the Lord says to Satan, Behold, all that Job has is in your power. So God gives Satan power to do this. But he says, You can't touch him. You can't touch him. Right? So here's how it goes, verse 13. Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, A messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabians attacked and took them. So these were like pirates. They come, they steal. That's what they do. And they killed the servants. And this messenger said, I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking. It's like, oh man, that's bad, right? But it gets worse. While he's still speaking. Another came and said, the fire, and this probably lightning, fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I'm the only one that's escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another servant came and said, the Chaldeans, who are the Babylonians, the Chaldeans were formed into the Babylonians where Nebuchadnezzar comes from, formed three bands and made a raid. So they raided his camels and his, his business Killed them all, and I alone has come to tell you. And while that guy was still speaking, another one came and said, "Your sons and your daughters, they were in the house, and a great wind or a sandstorm, probably, came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the earth, and it fell on them, and they died, And I alone have escaped to tell you. That's life falling apart. Think about it. Job loses his business. He was very wealthy. He lost his children. And what we can learn from that is that Satan has power over certain things, which include weather phenomena and people, right? Because he uses people, the Sabians and the Chaldeans, and he uses weather, fire, wind, to destroy Now, isn't that interesting? Because what's Satan's motto? I mean, how does he describe? What's his purpose? Kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he does. He is referred to as the God, small g, of this world because he was handed over the keys to the earth by whom? Adam and Eve. Oh, here you go. You want it? Go ahead. We'll believe you, not God. Take the keys. Here's the good news, though. God is still in control. And one day, Jesus in Revelation takes the keys back. And on the cross, he defeated evil, it says, when he died on the cross. And then when he rose from the dead, Satan has no power over you with regards to the two things he used to, sin and death. There's nothing good, though, about what happened to Job. We can't sit here and go, oh, that's good. It's not good. It's bad. And like I said, we can see from a 30,000 foot view and go, oh, it turns out good. As Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It doesn't say God used it for good. He meant it for good. So that 17 years of Joseph's life, when everything was going south, God meant that for good. Because when it was done, Joseph was the one that saved his people. Jesus suffered immensely. By the way, remember he was tempted by Satan, right? But Jesus didn't fall for him, that lie. He suffered, but yet, what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good, to save us. Why are these things going on? Unfortunately, I don't have the detailed answer as to why certain things might be going on in your life. I don't. God does. But what I do know is that, first of all, I'm sorry for the pain that you're going through. And we all suffer pain. We all suffer loss. I think there's nothing worse, though, and I can't imagine how Job felt to bury his own children. But everybody suffers to some degree. And what I do know as well is that I'm not going to sit here and diminish your suffering because it's your suffering. Nobody feels what you're feeling except you. And I can come alongside you and tell you that even in the midst of that, God is working in your life. You might not know the details of why, but do you know who? Because you might not know why. You know him. So then the what is going on in your life, maybe it has a little more perspective. And as Horatio's wife, Anna said, someday I will understand. One day we will understand but Job lost everything because God allowed it. But like I said, Job gained everything and more in his second life because God blessed him. We as believers will suffer. We might lose everything, but if not in this life, our second life, we will gain it back and more. And if you don't have hope for a second life, you will not have the hope to cope in this life. Secondly, Job loses his family and his health. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about the health part, because as you remember, this is the first meeting. There's another board meeting that happens. But here we don't see that yet. He loses his family and Job 118 through 19, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, your sons, your daughters were feasting, drinking in their house and a mighty wind from the desert struck the four corners of the house, collapsed on them and they're dead. And I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. So here's what goes on. Satan goes to the Lord and says, yeah, if you take your hand off of him, Job's going to curse you to your face. God says, okay, but don't touch him. What does Satan do? Does he wait a few days? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. This seems to be like right away. He's like, oh, I got permission. I'm going. Boom. Because Satan hates you because he hates God and you belong to God. He hates everything that's good. Do you know when God created, he said, it is very good. And then we messed it up. But God loves you, okay? Now, I shared last week about my bout with depression and anxiety shortly after my father passed away in 2004, and I'd become dependent on prescribed anti-anxiety medication, which I couldn't wean from, and I developed a clinical depression, and I had to check myself into rehab. I shared that part last week. I always struggled my whole life with anxiety and depression. I didn't know what it was. But when my father passed away, the anxiety became overwhelming and it was diagnosed as an anxiety disorder and the dam burst and the pain poured through my entire being. Why did that happen? Why did the anxiety and depression escalate to the point where I had been able to stuff it before and the dam broke? Here's why. I did not grieve My father's death. I tried to sweep it under the rug. Pain, pain, go away. Come again another day. Doesn't work. I didn't grieve the pain from my past. I don't know about you. I was never taught how to grieve. I was told, ball it up. Don't cry in public. Be a man. Right? You've heard of the 12-step program? I followed a three-step program. You know what it was? Suck it up. That doesn't work. If you don't grieve, you're not going to heal. Horatio's wife, Anna, didn't say, oh, one day I'll know, but for now I'm just going to try and sweep the pain under the rug. Job didn't say that either. He grieved. And I remember during this time, I would go to church. I couldn't function, but I found myself in the front row of church because I needed to be there. I would sit in the front row and watch the church I pastored Pastor me. They would hug me, they would love me, but I had to let them do that. I remember my church setting up a prayer chain that filled every hour of every day. And when I was suffering, I would look at the chart that I had next to my bed and see the names praying for me at two in the morning. But I had to allow them to pray for me. See, suffering and loss can be a really good way to humble a person, but isn't that the point? Asking for prayer and help can be humiliating. But isn't that the point? Doesn't suffering and loss bring us to our knees? Isn't that the point? And I can tell you that the people who heal are the people who ask for help. Help is one letter away from heal. P, people. Let people help you. Third, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. You are alive because the Lord gave you life. God's servant Job was having a great life. And then his life fell apart. And when suffering and loss happens for no reason, what should we do? Here's what Job did. At this, Job got up and tore his robe. He shaved his head. He fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked, I came from a mother's womb. I didn't bring anything in with me. And I ain't going to take anything out. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised or blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now, a lot of people think, oh, then I just can't talk to God honestly about my pain. No, because he already knows what you're feeling. So, yeah, talk to God. (laughs) about your pain. When I'm going through stuff, the first person I talk to is Jesus. And I'm saying, Lord Jesus, this sucks. Excuse my language. What is going on? But when I talk to him, he's my friend. I'm feeling like I'm talking to my best friend. Do you have that type of relationship with God? You should. It's not saying that Job didn't talk it out. In fact, we're going to meet his friends later And that sermon series is called, Is This the Best You Could Do? Now, in the end of the book, it's awesome because Job's trying to tell God how, you know, what the heck is going on? You know, what are you doing? And God just gives this dissertation about Job. Were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I made this animal? Were you there when I saved these people? You know, here's the thing. I always wonder, how much has God hedged me from that could have happened But he grieved because tearing his robe, shaving his head, was the way that that culture expressed deep grief. He didn't hold in his pain. He's humiliated. Suffering alone, his wife lives, and he worshiped. He went to church. He went to church. This last year, when we were locked down in my house, Satan tried to kill the church, tried to silence the church didn't work. The church needs to speak up more now, not less. Every church should be filled, right? And God is the author of every life. He's the one who decides the length of your life and the moment of your death. Now, this doesn't make pain less and suffering less or easier, but it does bring comfort in knowing that though Satan attacked Job's business and family, it was our loving God, the one who died for us, who was providentially working for the good of those who love him. I like what William Gurnall, an Anglican minister and author, said. This was in the 1600s. What God takes from me is less than I owe him, and what he leaves with me is more than I deserve. Like I said, I often wonder how many times God has intervened on my behalf, and I'll one day I'll stand before him, and I'll find all that out, and I'll go, oh my gosh, that could have happened you'll get to see it like a movie and you'll see, oh my gosh, it could have been way worse, right? I don't know why, but one day I'll find out. But here's the thing, until that day, maybe a song, maybe a sermon, maybe a book called Healing Steps can help other people when they're suffering. Maybe a word, maybe a message can help someone who's in Job's sandals walk a few more steps. Maybe a hug can give someone the feeling of God's arms wrapped around them in comfort. See, to some degree, we're like Job, a servant of Christ who suffers, but we don't suffer unexplainably. We suffer so that the suffering can come out and help other people who are suffering. The Bible says God comforts us so that we can comfort others in the same way. And as I think of Jesus, who suffered on my behalf so that I can have this life and another life, think about the scars, that we will see him as the Lamb who was slain, and we will see his scars. There's a song called Scars by I Am They, and the lyrics go like this, darkest water and deepest pain, I wouldn't trade it for anything because my brokenness brought me to you. And these wounds are a story you'll use. So I'm thankful for the scars, because without them, I wouldn't know your heart. And I know they'll always tell of who you are. So forever, I'm thankful for the scars. Now, what I want to do, I want to pray for you. It's a humbling thing. So when we bow our heads in prayer, if you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. But if you need prayer, this is the time to receive prayer. This is the time to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. So let's bow our heads in prayer. And what is going on in your life? What are you dealing with that you need prayer? You're standing, which means that you're not going to let Satan win. You're going to let God have control over your life, your pain, your suffering. And you're going to admit your need for him. So, Lord, I thank you for those who are standing. I thank you, Father, for the faith that it takes to stand. I thank you for those who might not be standing, but yet still need help. I pray, first of all, Lord, there's anyone in here who hasn't received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they do that now and they open their heart and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. And I ask you to come into my life and give me a second life. And Lord, I pray for those who are experiencing pain and suffering, whether it be with their kids, with their health, with their finances, with their business. Lord, I pray that you, as we know in the end with Job, you would compensate their loss by doubling the blessings. And I pray in the midst of the pain and the suffering that you would comfort them with a comfort and a peace that surpasses all understanding and knowing it's all being worked out. You're writing the story. It's a God story. It's a story of healing. It's a story of revitalization and restoration. It's a story of bountiful blessings I pray that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work now in a powerful way and touch each person, Lord, like they've never been touched before. And I'm going to be silent for a minute because I'm going to let the Holy Spirit minister in his personal way. Lord Jesus, I feel your presence. And even though it's not about feelings, it's so good to feel your presence. Even when we don't feel your presence, we know you're with us. But you're here in a powerful way, Lord. I've heard the saying that God never wastes a hurt. It's so true. But Lord, hurting and going through these types of things can be devastating. So I thank you for the compassion. I thank you for the mercy. I thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us and that in Christ we will rise we will rise in Jesus holy name Amen Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be his voice in this world please join us again for Make Me Your Voice a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.